we are fortunate enough to be able to go live to France to connect with Jacqueline Toberoff, a divorced mother of two, an activist who's a, a leader and has been a leader in the Manhattan Republican Party. She's also been a candidate for office in New York City. And she's the author of a new book, which is getting a lot of attention. It's called Super Moms Activated, 12 Profiles of Hero Moms Leading the American Revival. Jacqueline, thanks so much for joining us on the radio. I'm glad we could do it at a convenient time, which uh, when you're in Europe, this is always a convenient time. I am so grateful to you, and I want to apologize to all of your listeners. I got laryngitis last night. I am not a man. I am a woman, (laughs) and I know that I sound insane, but I'm going to hustle through this, um, and I'm just grateful to be here. Thank you. Well, two things. One, we (laughs) certainly could have rescheduled until your voice uh, came back. Uh, Two, the uh, we we had on Robert F. Kennedy Jr. yesterday and spoke to him for a half hour with his uh, spasmodic dysphonia. So a a touch of laryngitis I don't think is going to turn anybody off, Jacqueline. I think you're going to be just fine. Uh, Before uh, before we get into your book, which I'm looking forward to talking with you about, give folks a little bit of uh, perspective on uh, on your children and the job that you've done raising them. I mentioned that uh, that you're divorced. How old were your children when you got divorced? So I got divorced. Uh, my daughter was five. Sorry, my daughter was four. My son was under a year old. Um, it just wasn't a good relationship for me, and it wasn't a good relationship for my children to be in. And you know this, or your listeners know this, when you're a parent, Everything changes. Um, you, you go above and beyond to look out for your kids. And I just didn't feel like it was a healthy environment for them. So I got a divorce. Um, and things are going great. My children are great. They're thriving. They do well at school. They're, uh, social. They're intelligent. They're curious. Uh, they're critical thinkers. They are not wackos. They know that there are two genders. They uh, are comfortable in their bodies, and they're doing great. Well, I'm, I'm certainly pleased to uh, to hear that. And, you know, it's funny. My, my parents are divorced, and my father got uh, remarried. My mother didn't get remarried. And I always uh, knew my mother had a, you know, a tough time raising a son while being, you know, while being unmarried and still trying to work. But since having a child of my own, and I have a 19-month-old, a I, I can't imagine not raising this child with a partner. And it's given, it's given uh, me me a new appreciation for what every uh, divorced mother, including my own and including you, goes through. Uh, tell me about this book, Super Moms Activated. Why did you write it? So, you know, I had never been politically activated before. I always voted. I never phoned it in. I was cognizant of the issues. I knew that policy shaped everything from inside your home to outside your home. That much I knew. Um, but I had never in a million years had political aspirations and I had just taken the umpteenth subway ride from hell in 2020. Um, it, there was probably already at that point junkies, uh, thugs, you know, it was a scary situation. It was filthy, homeless. It was just, it was a nightmare that, that I'm paying for with my tax money. And here I am with my two young kids. I ride the subway six times a day, drop off, pick up. They have different schedules, drop off, pick up, so on and so forth. And I had freaking had it. 
I checked my email when I got off and there was a rally in front of Nadler's office. I had never been a rally person. I used to make fun of those people. I thought, God, don't they have a life? Don't they have a job? Don't they have kids? What are they doing going to rallies? I was incensed and I went to this rally against Nadler because at that time he was on one of his gazillionth impeachment tours, which I would have been fine with had everything in New York been going great, but it was already sure. in steep decline and I was furious. So I went to this rally and I see this really cool, um, not conventional looking Republican. It was AJ Katsimatidis. And she looked like a New York City hot, cool girl. And I went up to her and she wasn't at all what they'd been saying Republicans are, which I never even listened to these people. But it was just so incredible that they painted us all to look and be a certain way in this box. And here she is completely out of the box. Um, so she and I exchanged information. One thing led to another. And um, I decided to run for city council. I, of District 1, which is Lower Manhattan. It actually has every iconic area from the Financial District, Soho, Greenwich Village, Battery Park, Tribeca, Chinatown. I mean, everything that's happening in New York City is in District 1. It is the uh, financial mecca, really, of the universe. It's where Wall Street is. Mm. And it's always been traditionally safe, and it has always been a wealthy uh, area because of those, of those, uh, different district, of those different areas within the district. And it had been going downhill. So I ran, I was part of that nascent wave of first time moms, uh, sorry, of first time candidates who happened to be moms. I was part of that original wave. And my number one issue was parental rights. This is before COVID. This is really 2020 when I had started to form these ideas, um, just before March. And I had already seen there was a shift. You know, things didn't feel right. Everything that impacts my kids, such as crime, such as crappy education, that's what I ran on. And I lost in 2021 to a socialist wacko. He has no children. He's an activist uh, who does nothing. He has not passed one piece of legislation. We have illegal weed shops, everything. But that's a side point. The point is I ran and I had three huge victories. I raised the highest amount ever in uh, matching funds for a first-time female GOP candidate for that seat. I had the highest voters turnout ever for a Republican female in that seat. And I helped turn Chinatown pink from blue, the only area in Manhattan to change color. So based on these three victories, I knew I had struck a nerve and I knew everything I was saying was the the issues to be focused on. And sorry, go ahead. I'm talking a lot. Well, no. So and again, uh, I share your your admiration for Andrea Katsimatidis. Uh, I actually work for her father, uh, John Katsimatidis, and I've known uh, the family for many years and uh, they're terrific. But just in terms of your book, what is your book about? So my book, Supermoms Activated, is a timestamp of a period from 2020, which starts with COVID and CRT, 
up to 2022, which is the, which are the primaries. And it's a timestamp that the teachers union and the Biden administration is trying to revise slash erase. It is the silencing of mothers. And this book highlights 12 supermom powerhouses. They are Tina Deskovich, who is the co-founder of Moms for Liberty. She has helped transform school boards into pro-parental rights majorities. I have Asra Namani, who has a case before the Supreme Court to ban CRT in grade schools. Uh, if she wins, it will set precedent, and we expect her to win because you saw the ruling on uh, affirmative action in Harvard. Also, I have Callie Fontania. I have Sarah Gonzalez, a host at Blaze TV. She was one of the first to expose the all-ages drag shows for children. Um, I have Yatin Shu, who is one of the Democrat moms that was part of my coalition. I helped organize Moms for Lee when Lee Zeldin was running for governor. And I knew that I needed to recruit independents and Democrats who were moms because he already had my vote, Republican votes. So this book focuses on 12 powerhouses that have activated for the same reasons because the state was coming after their children and what they did, they attacked woke ideology from different angles and they provide a blueprint for any parent or taxpayer because we're all funding this. Every taxpayer has a right to comment on what happens in schools. We all fund this and they provide the blueprint for you to get involved. So what I was going to ask, and I think you answered it to some extent by mentioning the inclusion of at least one Democrat, but one that um, that was involved with your efforts, is that the moms that you profile, they're not all necessarily uh, conservative, right? I mean, or or are they? Almost none of them are conservative. There are a few, but the the goal of this book was to prove a point, and that is that mothers, of which there are 85,000, uh, sorry, 85 million in America, are leaving the Democrat Party in droves. This is quantifiable. Um, these mothers are, in my book, are largely Democrat. They range from um, all very from various socioeconomic backgrounds to religious and racial backgrounds. That was crucial to me. I did not want a one note book, so it is well rounded. I would say it's over fifty percent Democrats that have led this American revival. It's because they looked deep within and they saw they are no longer farming out their children. They are no longer outsourcing their children to the government. The when when you are um, talking about a book like this, I think a lot of parents across the political spectrum, they have an interest in reading about super moms and uh, learning about what drove them to activism. Do you think that your book is something that uh, that people across the political spectrum would enjoy reading? Or do you think the the target is mainly an audience that's fr that's fed up with a lot of the kind of policies that first motivated you to become an activist? No, I think the truth is one of one of my talents is I'm prescient and I forecast trends. And in this book, these 12 moms First and foremost, they discuss what activated them, but that might not be the most interesting part to many people. That's just, that's mm -hmm. just the beginning to, to lay it up. 
The most interesting part is the various angles of attacking wokeism. There is so much a type A mom or a mother behind the scenes can do. And, you know, many parents, many moms feel bereft. They feel confused. They don't quite get what's going on because the government and the teachers union, the educational complex is intentionally confusing them with myriad acronyms, CRT, DEI, DEIB, SEL, ESG. What is this crap? We explain it. We explain it very simply. We give background. We connect dots. And then the linchpin in this is the blueprint for you to get involved. It is not difficult. Um, people think running for office is a terrifying thing. We do the layup. We talk about how you can just put that toe in. Then you put your foot in. Then you put your arm in. And then your whole body's in. And when you start making a difference, when you start connecting with like-minded people, and it doesn't have to be like-minded in the same political party. It's, it's, it's much broader than that. Education slash kids are the one, the one thing that unites all parents. You do not want to mess with a mama bear's kids. <laughs> We've been talking with uh, Jacqueline Toboroff. You can uh, check out her book, Super Moms Activated, and buy a copy for yourself at uh, supermomsactivated.com. It's also available on, uh, on Amazon and things of that nature. Uh, Jacqueline, how difficult is it for a, a mom in this day and age to balance the need, whether you're divorced or even if you're married, balance the need for working and generating income and uh, being a an attentive parent to your children? Because I know even a lot of people that are in married couples, you really a lot of times need those two incomes to be able to just keep the lights on and pay the bills in many instances. What are you seeing not only uh, in your own life, but in terms of profiling the mothers that you have in this book here? Um, I'm going to say something controversial. If I didn't have to work, I wouldn't work. Mm. I would spend my time raising my kids. Uh, there's nothing more important than raising kids. And I don't think there was anything more important in my life than when I was married. Those first four years of just being a stay-at-home mom. That was the greatest experience of my life. And I think it set the foundation. Um, I have to work. I'm I'm a divorced mom. I have to work. I have no choice. And I love what I do. But there are definitely many moments of guilt that I have that I'm not with my children, which I think anyone can identify with. Yeah, my wife was just um, saying the same thing to yeah. me yesterday. If uh, <laughs> that if we had won the Powerball, that's the first thing that she would do is not work so she could take care of our son. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, very sadly, one of the reasons why I decided to run was I saw all of these opportunities that I had growing up disappear such as the ability to buy a home. How can anyone living in New York, New York City, afford to buy a home when they're in their 20s? How can they do oh, that? Oh, I think it's impossible. I mean, unless you're the uh, descendant of, uh, you know, a, a billionaire, I think it's very, very difficult. Correct. So, you know, how can you even guarantee that your child will get into a school that he or she deserves based on merit? I mean, or even get a job. Mayor Adams is demanding people submit headshots basically to test complexions before getting a city job. I mean, we are living in an altered universe right now, and it's uh, it's very scary. We are, There was a story out uh, this week, and I know you had uh, tweeted about this, 
that the number of American youth identifying as LGBTQ plus or whatever other letters are available has skyrocketed recently. Um, you had indicated that it's 40 percent since 2020. And uh, then you added they're groomed in grade school and groomed in universities, especially Ivy League, steer clear of Brown University. Uh, I know uh, a lot of the Ivy League listeners in our audience may uh, that might be of special interest to them. Do you really think one? Do you, is that a real number? 40 percent. And what, what's so terrible about Brown University? The 40 percent is it Brown? <clears throat> number one, um, it's not a, it's not. It's just at Brown, 40%. And I'll tell you exactly what it is because I've written numerous articles on this for human events and the Manhattan.press. What's going on here in private schools is they have opted into accreditation. That means, and this is the biggest Ponzi scheme that every one of your listeners needs to hear and Republicans need to stop pushing. School choice is a sham unless there is a real choice. If you go to a private school that has opted into accreditation, and almost all have, that means your choice is spending a gazillion dollars on tuition and having NAIS, which is the railhead of all evil, dictating to you that you have to have substantial equivalency of a public school. That means gender affirmation, that means CRT, which is critical race theory, and it is the breeding ground of all bad ideas. Private schools are very dangerous places right now. Now, the reason why they have opted into accreditation, meaning they, op- they operate like a public school, is because they are feeders to Ivy League schools. Now, let's think about this. Ivy League schools don't want to have a critical thinker. They want to already have children that have been primed and groomed. They are much easier to manipulate. Well, than when someone we use that term groomed, I know that's gotten a lot of attention recently. <laughs> What's the context in which you use that term groomed? Groomed is when you tell someone how to think and not when you teach them what to think. It's not necessarily pl- sexual, though. It could be. When you, you know, I just saw something on Twitter and I can tell you this happened to me. Uh, I'll I'll actually, I won't even use the experience that I saw on Twitter. I'll use my personal experience. I brought my two kids to their doctor that they have seen routinely. And my daughter is 14. My son is 10. And the doctor said to me in front of my kids, can I speak to your kids privately and, and ask them a series of questions? So I said, I said, are you kidding me? What are the questions? I'd like to see them. And they said, we're not at liberty to say. I said, well, hell no. You're not going to speak to my kids in private. What the hell would they be speaking to my kids in private for without me, without letting me know the questions? Right. I looked oh, up, no, I looked up the questions. I looked up the questions. I forgot the name of, of the questionnaire. I, at the time when they had told it to me, I looked it up as soon as the doctor left. How do you identify? Does your mother tell you you're a girl or a boy, but you feel like something else? So on and so forth. These are the questions that medical practitioners are asking young children. And young children's brains are malleable. They succumb to peer pressure. They want to fit in. 
And this is very dangerous, what's going on right now. Jacqueline, we're going to have to end it there. Hey, the next, when you're, when you're back in New York, we've got to get you uh, in studio. Uh, I have uh, a feeling there's no shortage of issues that we could, uh, <laughs> that we could go into. Hope people check out the book, Super Moms Activated. They can get it at supermomsactivated.com. Enjoy the rest of your trip. I, I think you just had a birthday recently, so happy birthday as well. Thank you so much. I would love to come in. I'm sorry about my voice. Great. No, feel better. You sound, you sound, you sound great. Uh, take it easy. Uh, Jacqueline Tobra.